Welcome to the Word of Christ, sermons from Pastor Sean Denzer, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Great Bend, North Dakota, and Peace Lutheran Church in Barney, North Dakota. The third reading is from the Holy Gospel of St. John, the sixth chapter. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that the large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each one of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take Jesus by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. O Lord, have mercy on us. Letare Sunday is the church's refreshment in the midst of Lent. There are no demons or devils in today's readings. The Passover is close at hand. And next Sunday we are going to turn our attention toward the suffering, the sacrifice, and the resurrection of our Passover lamb. But first, Christ spreads a table for His beloved Because the Lord is into abundance. Are we? Today the Lord tests the twelve. Can we feed this crowd, He says? And immediately the excuses start coming out from His disciples. The cost, Jesus. 200 denarii. We just don't have enough. They fail this test. As does the crowd. For after the abundance of the Lord's mercy has fed and satisfied everyone, the crowd tries to seize Jesus so they can have Him at their own convenience. And in response to this faithlessness, Jesus withdraws Himself from them. Our Lord Jesus is not a matter of our convenience, dear saints. 
He's a matter of necessity. We need Him. We need Him not just in small, special occasion doses, but we need Him always. We need Him as He determines that we need Him. He Himself knows what He will do. And it is His Word that draws the crowd to be sure. But notice in today's text, Jesus never sends anyone away with only a sermon. The Lord must feed His people. Now this is already the part of the sermon where all of us turn and look at the altar. This Sunday of refreshment is screaming at us in every psalm, in every hymn, in every prayer, and in this Gospel. Eat and be satisfied. But instead of latare joy, there is sadness. How painful it is, especially on this Sunday, to find the the altar empty. And why? Because March happens to have five Sundays in it instead of four? My heart is wide open to you, Trinity. I do not want to change you into something that you are not. I am not wanting to make a spectacle of you, some kind of notch in my pastoral belt. No. I wish to be a faithful servant, like Moses in today's Old Testament reading, like the twelve ought to be, obeying our good shepherd's command, which is to nourish you, his dear lambs. When you sing today's spectacular hymn, I want you to sing it with an honest heart, one that is hungry for Jesus as your only joy and treasure. And the Lord has me under strict orders to minister to such faith and not to do it meagerly but to do it in great abundance now martin luther and every old lutheran church order since instructs that when there are no communicants who present themselves for the holy communion the pastor is to admonish and exhort the congregation to a more frequent partaking of the sacrament. The reason they said this is because the Christian church from its very first days, from Easter Sunday itself, has celebrated the Lord's Supper every Sunday. No one, in fact, could have imagined such a thing as today, a non-communion Sunday. For the first 1,700 years of Christianity. The glorious Lutheran Reformation did not change this at all, except that they restored the Lord's Supper to Christ's proper institution. Now our confession of faith, the documents to which I as a pastor and we as a congregation have bound ourselves in our teaching and in our conduct, it says these words, In our churches, 
divine services are celebrated every Lord's Day and on other festivals in which the sacrament is offered to those who wish to use it after they have been examined and absolved. So that is what is normal for Lutherans. Now I realize that our parish has never known that. We've actually been out of step with that from our very founding, strangely enough. Through wars in Europe, through the Enlightenment, the Lutheran Church was greatly weakened during the 18th and 19th centuries. Our congregation's immigrant forefathers made their decision to leave Europe and Germany in part to remedy that problem. But you know as well as I do that they came here to the prairie. Old Tietje Hink, that great bearded pastor of Great Bend who is quite nearly the father of our North Dakota district, he had to ride a circuit of as many as 30 churches at one time. I can't imagine that. Under such constraints, it's very easy to see how communion, even as little as four times a year, might have been a pretty admirable achievement. But dear saints, the situation is totally different today, is it not? It has been for some time. Are there any of us who do not have a car or access to one? We have our own pastor now. We have him unless something strange happens, every single Sunday. And most of all, we are extremely wealthy. And even the poorest among us lives in great comfort. I share only the briefest of this history to show you just how far we have drifted from our Lutheran roots, not so that we can pine for different times, but I want to free you to consider that what we know as normal is really very strange among Christians. Most of all, strange among us Lutherans who hold the sacrament in such high regard. I want all of us to be able to see beyond our own lifetime and our own experience. Indeed, I want us to be able to see beyond ourselves. We don't gather here each Sunday as a church because it happens to suit us. Christ Himself is the one who draws us here, like He did those crowds outside of Galilee, because it is His intention to teach us and to give us what we truly need. These, in fact, are the reasons as well to come to the Lord's Supper and to desire to eat it and to drink it often. First, the command of Christ, do this. And second, our own pressing need for it, on account of which Jesus gave His commandment. Now, just like the twelve, I know that the excuses are starting to come. And I'm convinced that Philip's little objection in today's gospel really does capture all of them. When he said, Lord, it's just going to cost too much. Well, we have plenty of money to buy bread and wine, I'm sure of it. 
No, time is what it is going to cost us. And that's all. We'll have to wait for each other, but that's the very thing that Paul commands in 1 Corinthians. Now, beyond time, someone might object that if we were to offer the Lord's Supper every week, that would make it less special. And I have to warn you to beware, because that is a deadly excuse and a deadly line of thinking. It borders on contempt for the Lord. Because you are saying that God's grace can be made more special by what we do. And that, in fact, its effect depends on me. And nothing could be farther from the truth. If I am bored with Jesus, if I am bored with His Word, if I am bored with His sacrament, that is my sin. That is not God's in it. In Uh, adequacy no it will only cost each of us time it will cost us time to repent time to examine our hearts time to prepare ourselves each week to rightly receive his true body and his precious blood for the forgiveness of sins as he himself says and yes it will take us a little bit of time to teach our children to teach our visitors, to teach our neighbors. But what is it that we will be teaching them? We will be teaching them that Jesus really is our treasure. And you know what? If that hymn is true, then there really is no cost to us at all. There is only an inestimable benefit, dear saints, and a blessing. Jesus refused to entrust Himself to the crowds because they wanted to turn Him into some kind of bread-vending-machine king. They had in mind only their earthly bellies and their convenience. And Christ is so much more than that. He is all in all. He is the true bread given for the life of the world for our lives in body and soul, for our lives here in time and there in eternity. And though Jesus is priceless, He gives Himself as a free gift for us. Likewise, His supper, though it is priceless, it is a free gift for you. Now, if our Lord is not stingy, why would a rich congregation like ours expect their pastor to be stingy with Christ's gifts? The only way is if we did not, in fact, appreciate or value those gifts as much as we ought. Because if we did, you would not let me get away with this. You would grab me. You would beg me. You would compel me to serve you more often. Cost. Do you want to talk about cost? You are keeping me alive all five Sundays a month. And you only make me serve up the Lord's full gifts according to the calling that you have given to me on two of them. 
you are getting ripped off willingly. Demand all five and demand even more than that. And some of you are. There are members of our parish, both congregations, at least someone of every catechism class that we have had since I've been here, who have asked the right question to which I have no good answer at all. Why, Pastor Denzer? Why, if the Lord's Supper is such a great gift of forgiveness and life, as Jesus says, if it is a weapon against my sin and temptation, against the enemies that attack me, if it is the certainty of God's care for me shown to me, why not offer it every Sunday? I don't know why. I think they're right. They are not the strange ones. They are people who know their sin. And they are those who know the Lord's promises and love it. They feel their sickness and they desire the medicine. Now, no one should be force-fed the Lord's Supper and no one will. If you know of a grudge against a neighbor, if you are impenitent, don't you dare come. That is, don't you dare come until you have reconciled and repented. If you've not been instructed in this supper, if you don't believe it, or if you believe differently than we preach, then you do well to stay in your pew. If you don't hunger or thirst for Christ's righteousness at all, if you don't prepare, if you are inclined simply to come up here and go to the Lord's Supper rail because it's a certain day or a certain week of the month or a certain time of the year, this sacrament really is not for you at all. We leave it to each Christian conscience when they choose to come. We must do this. But here is the question that goes with that. Can you force your conscience on others? Can you insist that because you do not feel that you need the Lord's Supper very frequently, no one else should want it or need it either? Because that is what refusing to offer the sacrament every Sunday does. We have stifled the hunger of some of our members by our peer pressure, even without ever saying it out loud. And even if I do not hunger for this sacrament, still, love demands that I consider my fellow Christian who does need it. And if that cannot move me either, then truly I have neither faith nor love. All I have is a belly that seeks to suit my own fancy. You have heard in today's text that the Lord withdraws Himself from such as these. And I do not want the Lord to withdraw from this parish, or from any of you. I want your hunger for His abundant mercy to be increased. The need of your soul in this troublesome world and the precious promise of the forgiveness of your sins, this is what should move all of us 
earnestly to desire the holy body and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have time in one sermon to extol even half of the benefits of weekly communion. I think we can see how desperate our parish is not only for frequent communion, but also for times of Bible study and teaching on things like this together. So at least you have to promise me that you will all come to Holy Thursday to hear more about the Lord's Supper on the day it was instituted. For now I wish to leave you, though, with at least a little godly hunger today. Now, eternal life, that may seem very abstract. It may seem very abstract, especially when we see ourselves objectively dying, getting closer to death daily, when we mourn those that we miss, when we feel the attacks of sin and the world against us. So how amazing then, how amazing that our Lord Jesus gives us something that is objective, tangible, physical, even tasteable. God who is love and who is life itself, who can never die, who has inseparably joined Himself now with the flesh of one man, one man who has beaten death and whose flesh is immortal. He is putting that immortal flesh and eternal life-infusing blood into us dying people. Is there anything more incredible in all of the universe than this? Is there any other religion that has a God who humbles Himself and gives Himself so lovingly and deeply and concernedly for His dear people as our Lord Jesus. Should not those mercies come to us anew every morning, as the psalm says, every morning that we gather together? See, beloved sheep, how Christ loves you. See how earnestly He wishes to feed His lambs and how abundantly. I pray that you hunger for this priceless treasure above all others. And when the Holy Spirit begins to work that hunger throughout our parish, then I have no doubt that by next Latari, we will with one voice rejoice and feed and be satisfied by the Lord's consolations. God grant it for Jesus' sake. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to The Word of Christ. You can find more sermons at verbachristi.blogspot.com and if you have need to contact Pastor Denzer, you can email him at pastor at denzer.org. That's P-A-S-T-O-R at D-A-E-N-Z. 
Z-E-R dot O-R-G. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Amen. <laughs>